Hey y'all, this is Mel Offlerbach, and you're listening to Season 3 of Green Juice and Tequila. Hey y'all, welcome to Green Juice and Tequila. I am so pumped for this next guest, um, someone I've actually been influenced over a decade through the yoga world. And you've probably, if you're a part of the yoga community and know some of these magazine covers, but you've probably seen her on the Yoga Journal magazine, Fit Yoga magazine, and she's been featured in Self magazine, Newsweek, I could like literally list on, I have to take a breath though, but lately she's been known for using her platforms to inspire political environmental change and equality. Um, She's inspired us with some of her gorgeous mountain backgrounds in her virtual classes and virtual um, trainings. And this gal honestly has made a huge dent in like yoga goodness within the Colorado community along with are worldwide. So I'm like so excited to have Amy at Politi on. Yay. Thank you so much for coming on. I'm so grateful and I can't wait to chit chat with you over the next, you know, hour or so and hear a little more about your life. Thanks, Melissa. It's so good to be with you. Yay. So Thank Amy, you warm welcome. <laughs> I like literally I'm just reading like your bio. I'm like, gosh, I didn't even realize all the things that you were involved in. Of course, being on the other side of, of the consumer side of it and being able to take your classes and trainings and have traveled all over the country to, 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 to learn from you. It's just like you're, you're way bigger than I thought it was in a sense of your involvement in things. So I would like just love for our audience just to hear a little bit about you and your journey with yoga and kind of things that you're involved in right now. Um, and just kind of go from there. Yeah. Well, thank you for the opportunity. I, I got to yoga as a really young girl. I was 16, um, growing up in New York City, and I had always been very much into, it's weird, like activism from a really young age. I was very, very caring about what was going on around me, and so yoga was sort of a natural It was a natural thing to be pulled toward when my mom said, hey, do you want to do a class in yoga? Do you want to go try yoga for the first time together? I was like, yeah. Um, And at that point, I was a teenager, and we were having, like, mean girls in school. Like, it was a, like, popularity contest, and I sort of didn't want anything to do with that world. It just made me feel bad that there were all these really talented, sweet, good-natured kids that weren't popular yeah, you know, hanging on the sidelines, and and that you had to sort of bend over backwards to go through hoops to be popular, and I just wanted none of it. Um, so yoga ended up, you know, it, it, sure it was physical, but there was this metaphysical part of it that that I could tell it was so much bigger than just physical. Like I could tell it was. Um, like this was a vehicle where I could figure out the secrets to life, you know, like this, this, the mystery, um, of what was bigger or more than these silly popularity contests at school. The contrast of it was so profound to me that I was drawn to yoga, like a magnet. How old were you in that? I was 16 at that point. So like in the heart of adolescence and teenage popularity contests at school and um 
And I knew in my heart, like, why is, why is it that these people are being elevated and these folks who are, you know, beautiful and talented and quirky and maybe, you know, like maybe different, right? Like, Mm -hmm. why is it that they're not getting any airtime here? And I was just disgusted with the whole thing. But then yoga showed me this deeper, um, kind of like questioning, like, who am I? Like, what do I want to do with, with this one life that I have? And I could tell that it had that, that profundity, that meaning. Um, and it was like this, I don't want to say it was an escape, but it was this way of understanding my reality a little bit better and coming to school and going like, you know what, I'm going to be nice to the unpopular kids and I'm not going to care what these other girls think of me. That's a huge shift for like teenage adolescent. I mean, just listening to you, someone who I have a 13 year old and, you know, I feel like it's getting to the point where these kids are starting to sense this popularity, not good enough, um, competitiveness at a, even at a younger, young, more younger age. And, you know, I think the influence too is just you know, I'm always a big advocate that I'm like, whatever energy you put out into the universe, you're going to get it right back. And like the energy right now is just so yeah. nuts and crazy. And, you know, the, the kids are absorbing all of that stuff too. And so, um, it's just remarkable to be able to hear that at 16, you can come to that realization and start creating a better environments and, and, and decision-making, uh, based on, kind of that spiritual awakening you had at 16 years yeah. old. And, and you know, it, it really, it like just even recounting the story to you, I mean, on a lot of podcasts, I get asked that same question and I tell the story, but yeah. somehow in telling it to you just now, it really hit home for me that, mm-hmm. that that yoga teacher that I had somehow conveyed the spiritual depth that I needed in that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but she, she, she conveyed the spiritual depth of yoga to the point where I could use that as an anchor to something bigger than the, the pettiness at school. Yeah. And it, it reminds me how vital and important it is for yoga teachers not to forget their responsibility to conveying the depth and the spiritual aspects of yoga as well as the historical aspects of yoga the lineage of yoga because that even if you aren't speaking to the lineage if you are embodying the lineage right versus just like you know saying something for the sake of saying it like you know just inhale do this exhale do that exactly or we're just going to do handstand drills (laughs) yeah you know those are great but like also there needs to be that that depth and um it made such a difference in my life as a young girl and um I was able to anchor to that and not get caught up in feeling bad about myself that's so mean to other people you know I certainly fell prey to it a number of times but overall I look back at my high school years and I go I had integrity yeah you know (laughs) yeah well I think it Just by saying that, I think it's so important back to the teacher topic, but, you know, um, we just, uh, yoga has gotten huge in like the last 10 years. I mean, you've been in the yoga community for how long? 20 something years, right? I mean, nineties. Oh gosh. Right. So the, (laughs) the culture has just changed so much. The teachings have changed so much. So I think it's always really good for, especially like young teachers to hear that, 
you know, there is that sense of responsibility that we have. And, you know, I've always told friends of mine who've gotten into teaching, they're like, okay, I need to learn and do all these crazy trainings. I'm like, dude, all you need to do is just, you need to practice and get into your, like that awakening you had, you probably teach from that. And so I think it's important to just remind teachers too. It's like, if you learned and you understood and you had that awakening, you have that story with yoga. I feel like so many of folks that I've interviewed on here who come from the, the yoga community, we all have very similar stories in that sense, but that's like where we can teach from. That's when we can share those spiritual shifts because we've experienced it ourselves. And when the light bulb goes off, it's like, wow, this is an, a power and energy we can harness and cultivate into so many different things. And it does anchor us in everything that we do. So I think it's just incredible just to hear you say that and to affirm it and for, you know, teachers to be able to. You know, what's cool too is like as much as it's experiential and practice will help us to tap into that. There is, I I like to think that as a teacher trainer, Mm -hmm. a yoga teacher trainer that, that I actually have created like a system by which you can bring in the higher purpose of yoga um, in your class planning. So I'm like, I'm super nerd out about like ways in which yoga teachers can actually systematically make sure that they're, they're bringing in that, um, you know, some of the myths and stories and some of the ways that we can contemplate how the practice seeps into our lives off the mat to enrich our lives, to help our relationships be sound, um, to, to look at um, current events and you know challenges that um, we face as a humanity through the lens of yoga, so that it so that it isn't like yoga becomes an escape from current events, but we use our yoga in order to deal with current events in an empowering way, so that the collective all rises up. Exactly. Right. Instead of me, me, me rising up because I do yoga and I, you know, this or that. But it's like we're all more sound. We're all happier. We're all healthier. We're all well when every one of us is well. Exactly. And I think, you know, I, I, I look at <clears throat> I've been teaching this series lately with some of our um 500 hour students, uh, just a really kind of intimate series with that group, you know, and it's just been so beautiful because I'm reading their reflections after practice. They have to submit their reflections, mm-hmm. and I'm getting the affirmation that like, even though I brought in a topic from current events, we processed it in a yoga way in class. And then they're going back going, you know, like I was really bummed out at the beginning of class because of whatever's going on, but now I feel like so fired up, you know, to, to handle it. And so that's this affirmation to me that, that we can yogify anything. Oh, a hundred percent. You know, let's yogify it. You yes. Know? Like, when I, and I'm, ignore it, not, not bypass it mm-hmm. through you know, with yoga, but like, apply and engage with it through yoga. What do you, what do you think apart those parts of yoga that we're referring to that helps people 
have a better understanding. Like, you know, these little pieces of yoga is what truly can help you handle some of these current events or handle these internal traumatic battles that you might be fighting with. Or, you know, like, can you identify maybe those little pieces? Those pieces are infinite. I mean, they're all over the texts of yoga. They're all over the mythology of yoga. They're um, passed down from, we say, ear to ear because you hear it from your teacher, but you're you're going to hear it the way you hear it. There's so there's oral tradition. Um, there's there's Vedic phrases, you know, that you can pull from that are just these gem-like teachings um, that apply to life to life, you know, right now. Even though life is quite different, there's so much similarity that the teachings apply. I mean, yesterday our theme was uh, we used a Vedic. Um, a Vedic phrase, dehi me dadami te, and it just means, um, uh, it means you give to me, I give to you. So it's that, it's it's about reciprocity. Mm -hmm. They were talking about that back then. How much does that apply now? Yeah. I mean, my God, like we come out of the womb demanding, you know, like children come out of the womb with needs. We all have needs that need to be met, but the demands of life are upon all of us. And so we too need to give back. And so the dadami te means, um, I give to you, but it also implies there's a future I will give, right? Like you ought to give, (laughs) you know? And so there's, um, what a teaching that is, you know, and that's just one little thing I pulled out of nowhere, you know, just, but there's, there's all kinds of, uh, teachings like that. And, um, we can, we can do our practice with that contemplation in mind. Like how could I articulate my needs more clearly? Mm -hmm. Right. So I have needs and I don't need to feel ashamed of those needs. How can I articulate them more clearly? And then also, how can I be on the lookout for helping others to fulfill their needs, you know, so that we have a more harmonious humanity? Yes. Oh, my gosh. Humanity needs that now more than ever. That's just one example. Yeah. No, I I, thank you for sharing that. I think that's just it's so crucial and important as a reminder for people to be able to hear that again. We're not hearing a lot of that type of messaging right now. So I think it's you know, crucial for us to be able to continue to speak up and share those things. You know, you talked about, you're talking about your trainings and, you know, the passions that you have behind some of these um, points in your teaching, like what really like pivoted you into that, into that realm of like, I want to be a teacher. You know, I started yoga at 16 years old. I was influenced. Like what was that pivotal point for you to get into teaching and what was that first step into the style of yoga that, that you were participating in? Well, I mean, it really came when I had been practicing for about 11 years. Um, so from 16 to 21, I was, um, or older than that, bad math, um, 27, <laughs> when I was 27 years old, I was taking classes with Cindy Lee in New York City, like religiously going all the time. And she kept announcing that she had a teacher training that she was going to offer. And the application deadline kept getting closer and closer. And I didn't feel like I was old enough to do a teacher training. I felt like, 
you know, you have to be at least in your forties to be a yoga teacher, you know, like, no, <laughs> back in the nineties, that's like, yeah. it was like, no, only like, you know, midlife people teach yoga because they have all the wisdom. Right. 27. What do I know? Mm. But she kept announcing it and, um, I kept wanting to do it to go deeper into yoga. And so finally, when the deadline was about to be there, I, got the guts up to ask her for an application and I thought she was going to reject me like oh don't bother applying only 30 year olds can do that. <laughs> yeah. um, but no she was delighted like oh that's wonderful so I applied I totally got in after the first day I went up to her in the evening and I said listen you know I'm only doing this to go deeper in my yoga practice I don't see myself teaching and she was like shut up you're gonna teach <laughs> I was like, Okay, okay. but her, it was her belief in me yeah. that really allowed me to um, to embrace the possibility of being a yoga teacher. And then, of course, that just flooded, that, like, opening flooded for me where I was like, oh, my God, I'm worthy to do this. Someone thinks I can do this. Um, and I could actually have this as a lifestyle. Like, I could... I could just like pursue the great mystery of yoga for the rest of my life and teach it to others. And I knew on some level that I was a good teacher, just like a like general, like I could teach anything. Like if I, if I knew how to do something, I could convey it to others. Like I have that natural gift. So I kind of like knew that I had that, but yoga felt so special to me that I just blocked myself until that opening happened with her belief in me, right? And mm. and so then once I got going and I had the my own self-confidence with it, it, it was like, okay, I'm doing this, you know, no question. That's and I can, and I'm good at it. Like Yes. You I might, are. <laughs> I might suck at it on occasion, but I can get through it. Like like I'll learn from my mistakes. People will give me feedback. I'll get better. Oh my you know, God. I knew that it was workable. <laughs> yes. Well, so how long was your training? Like when you, I, I feel like now some of these trainings we go through, um, people can get certified like on the internet in three weeks, you know, or yeah. have these eight week intensive program. Like my first 200 hour training I did was nine months long. Like it was like a met twice a week. Like it was an intense training but similar story, like I went in being like, I don't know if I want to be a teacher or if I w- want to just grow this questioning inside of me right now from this certain experience. But just kind of curious to like what built you up to being able to create this like yoga empire. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's so funny that you asked what the duration was, because I, if I recall, I think Cindy's training was like seven weeks. Yeah. Like, that's just a couple months, yeah. if you think about it. It's a few months. But, like, we looked at, we didn't look at it like, oh, well, when you're done with that seven weeks, you're going to be, like, this rock star yoga teacher. It was like, no, you're just going to be beginning your yeah. journey. That's exactly what it was. Yeah. I mean, it, like, gave me enough information to kind of go, like, I know more now than the average yoga student therefore I can take the seat of the teacher but it wasn't like oh you're this uber yoga rock star no freaking way 
Um, and so back then, like there wasn't yoga Alliance. So there wasn't like, it has to be 200 hours. You know, there wasn't anything. It was seven weeks. It was like, I have no idea how many hours it was, maybe 50. Yeah. You know? And, and of course, constantly apprenticed afterwards with Cindy assisted her classes, um, got her feedback afterwards. There was like, you know, we were in her studio at that point. So there was a lot of like, Hey, this is what I think you could have done better. Um, she would come and take class then give a feedback after. Um, and it was clear that like, it wasn't about like checking off boxes. It was okay. Um, I did this training and now I'm craving more. Let's do this training. And then I would go to another teacher and, and take a training. Um, I eventually found a teacher that I worked with for gosh, like 12 years and just, you know, did training after training after training. They were four day trainings, five day trainings. Um, you know, he was more of a traveling teacher. So it wasn't like plunking down in a community, for nine months, like you just said, but it was like, whenever I can get in front of him, I'm going to go, you know? And so I, I remember buying my first wheelie suitcase because it was like getting so hard to travel through airports (laughs) with a backpack with all my stuff in it. So I was like, I'm going to get a wheelie now. You were like, that was like the first yoga traveling compartment because now you've got like your yoga bags and these special like backpacks that can fit your mats and water bottles and your candy bars like yeah I got a wheelie I was like getting (laughs) tired of schlepping my stuff on my back which was so you know so my in my 20s how I did things and I was like I'm gonna need a like I'm gonna need to grow up here I'm gonna need to adult right now (laughs) love it so you've gotten it so Fast forward a little bit, you've, you've implemented some pretty amazing yoga trainings and you yoga retreats. Like I remember the, when I was a brand new baby yogi, like literally 18 years old is when I lived in Boulder. And Mm -hmm. I remember going to Om time and taking class with you and being like, Oh my gosh, I like, I started yoga very young too. I was like 14. And I went to like my gym down the street and was like, what's yoga? Like, I'll go try this out and see, see how I like it. I'm like, Oh my God, I feel so amazing. I can handle, I can take on the whole world. But I remember taking your classes and always just like your radiant, positive energy. And you just always knew exactly what to say. It was so bizarre. I would like go through something and you would sit, like talk to exactly what I was going through. I'm like, how does she even know this? She must be a, like a psychic medium or something. So oh I just, God. I remember those. I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, right? It was like those little impacts that we have as teachers, but, um, and I've obviously have taken a couple of your, um, your trainings through like conferences. And, um, so what, when you decided to create some of these offerings, whether it was yoga retreats or trainings, like what was kind of the inspiration behind that or the desire to, like expand or the desire to touch, have more of a touch point with people? Like what was kind of that crossroad thought process? I I mean, I would say that the biggest impetus to offer trainings has been because I was asked. Mm -hmm. I was asked by enough people enough times, like, would you do this? Can we do that? that I was like, okay. So whether it was, so the very first time I led a teacher training, I was um, 
two years into teaching, somebody, a big name fitness person asked me if I would co-lead a teacher training with her in Brooklyn. And I said, okay. Yeah. (laughs) That was like two years into teaching. And that, and that's like, I don't think that that's normal for most people. I think that I've just always been a teacher. Mm-hmm. Like, I, you know, again, anything that I know how to do, I can convey to others. So I was asked very early to do that. And then it was like, people would ask in class, like, hey, when are you doing your next teacher training? Yeah. <laughs> You're like, shoot, I got to start making curriculum for this now. <laughs> yeah. And then, so then I did it and it was the same with retreats. It was like, hey, when are, like, the, like women would come up to me after class, men, students, when are you, when are you going to take us to an exotic location where we can do yoga as a community? Literally, that was the question. Okay. Yeah. Go research Costa Rica. <laughs> <laughs> And then I've made it happen, right? Yeah. Like, when can we do this? When can we do that? Would you teach a workshop on? Mm. So it's always been because people have asked or there's a desire for it. Um, I'm, I guess I'm a people pleaser. Yeah. Hey, there's. I think there's some <laughs> positives to people pleasing. That's pretty apparent just through this story. That that is is what it is. Absolutely. It also, I mean, it also, in all fairness, showed me that I was ready to do it. Like yeah. it wasn't you know, like the universe was, was stating, you need to do this because you're being asked. Yeah. Like it was never my idea. Yeah. And so, like, and I, like that. I feel like then there's a kind of, there's a comfort with that because I'm ready. Right. Yeah. Well, and like, and I think too, it's just, even just as a human being, whether you're going to be a yoga teacher or a CEO or an entrepreneur, it's like when you start having, when you start noticing that you have an effect on someone and it's this positive response back, like th- there's so much gratitude behind all of that. And that truly does like inspire you to do more. It's like affirmation, like, oh, I'm doing some, this is, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. It's like, you know, we need yeah. that when we surround ourselves with, you know, all these different types of people and we have that affirmation behind it, it, it that's the world to all of us. I mean, even like staying at home right now, homeschooling my kids, which I nine times out of 10, don't think I'm doing a good enough job, but just having like my little girl say, mommy, my teacher used to do this too. And like really loved it and enjoyed it. I'm like, okay, I'm doing a good job. I can keep doing this. I can keep doing Yeah. But I think it's like having the affirmation from people, it's going to totally make you feel happy and you want to keep doing more because you're making that person feel happy too. So yeah, I love that. Well, all hail to the parents right now who are <laughs> homeschooling their kids. All hail. Uh, yeah, there's definitely some moments in there where I'm like, I'm not good at this. I don't think I, I like. I will never take oh. a school teacher for granted ever, ever again. again. Ever. <laughs> I'm like, these people need to be paid ten times more than what they're getting paid. And need to have, like, I can't even get into the politics of it, but I was like, those people need to be front considered frontline worker. Like, there's oh, yeah. so much that I think has been brought to light how important teachers are. And, I mean, we can just see it just by going through yeah. this COVID situation, too, where they can't, they're expected yeah. to go to school and teach, but they're scared. Like, there's just so much with yeah, it. It's such an awakening. It, it's such an awakening to what hasn't been working and what has been working and what hasn't been working. And 
Yes. A hundred percent. Yeah. So I, there's days where I'm like, I might be an alcoholic. I don't know. I enjoy a glass of wine and it's starting to become earlier and earlier that I'm like, can I have a glass of wine right now? I'm like, it's 1130. No, that's not going to happen. <laughs> not today. Oh, no, yo- my yoga practice has honestly, I know it's, we, we shouldn't make it a, an escape, but it's been my personal escape with just the loudness of life and coming back in and like even yeah. like doing 10 sun salutations by myself and breathing like that's huge. Yeah. For me. It's just sanctuary. A hundred percent. And I think, yeah. you know, just the fact that your mom influenced you in a way to start yoga. Like I think just me being a teacher and bleeding that into my family, like I can see the impact and effects that it has even on my little girls. Like I love hearing your story that yoga at 16 helped anchor you for who you are. I'm really hoping that's going to be the case for my two children too. But um, even with my husband, I'm like, you know, we both understand the importance of like breath work and meditation and how it corresponds to the nervous system. And when we're anxiety driven or we're stressed or we have depression or whatever it is that we're struggling with emotionally, knowing that something like yoga systematically can influence the body's response to stuff is just a huge piece of knowledge and knowledge is power. So I just feel like, you know, I'm like, how has your stake as a teacher in your family, how has that influenced like your relationships or your family members? Like, do you feel like there's like that, like you, cause you're married or have like a life partner, right? Yeah. So how, um, yeah. how has your lifestyle of being in yoga affected, you know, the people around you in a sense? Like my parents think I'm crazy sometimes. They're like, yeah. oh, don't talk that yoga talk with me. I'm like, okay, mom, but yeah. well, it varies on, on who the family member is, you know, <laughs> yeah. um, I think, uh, for the most part, I think that having an outlet of yoga that is also community-based, I have to say, like, like I've got my family family, but I have my yoga family as well. Like our community is incredibly supportive and there's, it's the family that I chose, if you will, not the family I didn't choose, which I was born into. And I think having that, um, that chosen family, allows me to surround myself with people who are on the path. We call them Kalyana Mitras, the spiritual friends, right? And mm-hmm. they, you know, they hold me to account. Um, they, um, they are, they're aiming at the same, in the same direction, if you will. And so what that allows me to do is to come back to my own family, my actual family, and sort of not not ask them any more than I need to ask. Like, it's like, I don't need to, they don't need to be that for me because I've got it. If that makes sense. So I can just embrace them for who they are. Like I can just open myself to be like, look at this character, you know, (laughs) and not expect them to bend or change for my benefit, but just simply be, you know, be there for them. And, um, you know, and I think that that approach has been cool. Like certain family members, they look to me, you know, for advice on, mm-hmm. on 
health, like right now during COVID, like the immune system, yeah. like how should I, you know, when my sisters got COVID, it was like, Amy, what do we do like for our supplements? You know, cause I'm a total supplement nerd. I'm, yeah. a, I'm a health freak yeah. through yoga, right? Like yoga has made <laughs> yeah. me health. Um, you know, like my, yeah, they, they sort of come to me for certain, um, certain advice that they know that I'll be good at. Right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, well, yeah, I think that I sh- you sh- you like end up shifting. I think when you first get into this world, you're so excited. You want like everyone to be part of it and yeah. everyone to like it and know the feeling that you're feeling. And I've even myself when I was in my young twenties, I was like gung ho about that. But you start to as you get a little older and a little wiser, you're like, you know, I'm not about trying to change somebody. I'm going to share, you know, what I feel, what I'm passionate about, and if it you're just sitting there expressing how you're feeling. You're not trying to like go in and mm-hmm. change. Cause at the end of the day, I had a one teacher that told me, and this will always stick with me, but she's like, you've got to stop helping people who don't ask for help. That's right. And she's like, you are going to literally bury yourself in the ground and you're going to be so stressed and overwhelmed. And it's never going to be the outcome that you want it to be. So she's like, just tell them that you're there for them if they need you. And that's it. And it, that's right. it was a, that was a huge yeah. shift. And I honestly feel like that even with teaching yoga too. I'm like, you know, I'm not going to try to force this down your throat unless you're paying me to do it. And there's <laughs> a different, right. different dynamic there. But I mean, like if I can just express these things that have worked for me or feel the passion behind it, then mm-hmm you know, they're going to come and want to keep. Yeah. keep I remember things. one of my teachers saying that his teacher never wore the yoga on his sleeve. Like he never, cause he sort of had, you know, yoga powers in a way. He was just so, he was so evolved in that way. Um, but he never wore it on his sleeve. You know, it's just, there was a sort of like shroud of mystery around it. And if you got to know him, if you cared to ask, right, he would, he would share, but only if you cared to ask, yeah. <laughs> he's not going to like volunteer the information. <laughs> yeah. I love that. I didn't wear it on a sleeve. So yeah, I'm that, I'm that way with my family as well. So I remember also back in the day when I first started being just so influenced by your teachings and your yoga teachings, but I remember this photo seeing you swim with these huge, amazing whale sharks. And I have like this tremendous fear of the ocean, like, and swimming in the ocean with sharks. I like, it's really hard for me to, to get in and enjoy that. But when I saw that, I just remember being like, oh my gosh, she is so tiny. And she's sitting there doing like lotus pose next to this ginormous whale shark like where were you when this happened and like how did this all come about and like these photos are beautiful like I remember I think I saw it like in a magazine that's where I I saw the first photo and just was mesmerized by it thank you so much well it's a long story but um we so my partner Taro is an underwater photographer and marine conservationist and so when I first met him I was smitten because I've been an earth conservationist and advocate for the rainforest. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm now a soil advocate. Um, I always wanted to be a marine biologist just so I could also, you know, fight for for marine conservation and that kind of thing. 
Um, so I was smitten with his activism in that regard. And up until up until that point, he had been doing um, underwater photography and above water photography to expose the shark trade, mm. um, shark finning trade. And so it was sort of gory. Like the pictures were all like horrible, like zillions of, you know, definned sharks and the, the, the fins like being sun-dried, like really gory, gross pictures that just sort of make you want to turn away. And it wasn't really moving the needle. It was exposing some bad criminals, but it wasn't really moving the needle in terms of um, public awareness. And so um, a shoot happened that he was on where they had put models in the water with the whale sharks um, and in the Philippines, and they came back with these never before seen images of, of women, you know, free diving with these animals, um, in costume. And, you know, it was all dramatic. And I said to him, I want to do that, but I want to do yoga with them. Oh man, goosebumps, just like yeah. on the back of my and, neck. <laughs> and he told, um, so he told his buddy, Sean Heinrichs, who, um, is a, is a, he's a marine conservationist in our area and also underwater photographer who's been in, movies like um racing extinction he's he's kind of like the star of racing extinction if you've seen that movie um and so he told sean like amy wants to do this da, 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 da. so so eight months i trained with pranayama holding my breath i trained in the swimming pool to go to free dive you know like i didn't take any formal free diving lessons or anything i just trained i swam and swam and swam at the pool here in colorado <laughs> and um, did intense pranayama testing how long I could hold my breath, et cetera. And we went down, I got like in sick shape, went down to Mexico and we shot um, with whale sharks. And so I, you know, I would free dive down, get into Lotus, the whale shark would come by, snap, snap, snap. We took a gazillion pictures and got like three or four really good images out after about five days of, work um, oh. <laughs> and then we, we were doing like tons of trips after that we did it with dolphins we did you know there were manta rays in the water um sea turtles whenever we were underwater with the camera I would just bust out into a yoga pose underwater and try to pose with the wildlife but our point was to kind of bring this back home is the point was like, how do we move the needle on public awareness? It's not going to be through blood and gore and the horror of what's going on. It's going to be through celebrating the beauty of these animals mm. and the, the interspecies connection between us. So I, it was important that I didn't have a mask on or a snorkel or scuba gear, but that it was just me and my bathing suit in the yoga pose with the animal. So I was sort of in their element. And what happened, what, that what we found from all of this work, whether it was the models or whether it was the yoga, is that it raised a kind of awareness. Like, people are like, oh, what is that manta ray? Is that the, you know, is that the thing that killed Steve Irwin? And people are like writing in the comments, no, 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 that's a manta ray. Their, their thing doesn't sting. Like he was stung by a stingray. Manta rays are an endangered or a threatened species, et cetera. Like we need to protect them. Oh, wow. You know, just, 
just like all kinds of awareness got raised. And, you know, one, one of the achievements is that in Indonesia now, they, there is a ban on harvesting manta rays um, throughout the entire country of the, the um, chain of the Indonesian islands. You cannot hunt manta rays now. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's raised a lot of awareness. Yeah. Um, and these images were on the cover of um, Reddit for a number of days, Yahoo, you know, front page. Yeah, I remember. Um, it, it brought in a lot of awareness toward marine conservation. So um, I, you know, like, we'd be doing it now if yeah. it weren't for COVID. <laughs> I like, know. We'd be down, like, trying to shoot more, but yeah. Well, I and I think that's one thing that you just attract is creating awareness, whether, whatever you're passionate about, like you get people's attention. And I think whether it's doing something like these beautiful images, like that will always be in my mind that the image of this just simple woman that's so tiny next to this incredible, beautiful creature in the ocean, like like that was just, I think, just a beautiful way to express awareness. And you do that so well with other things you're super passionate about. And I've seen it even over this year. I know that we're, you know, in this really intense and crazy time that we're all going through. But um, even through the election, like hearing your stance on politics and your stance on Black Lives Matter and COVID, like these have just been such, it's been such a growth year for humanity and, uh, and bringing the, the messaging and awareness and the tools, like you just did it so well. Like I just know even through the election, I'm like, okay, what do I need to do today? Like, what can I do to help impact? And I'm like, Amy's going to know she's so good about putting it out there every day and get on and be like, okay, we need to do this. And we like, it's so important. So I just, you know, <laughs> just hearing your story, even when you were 16 years old, that the the activist inside of you is just so predominant. So, like, yeah, I, well, I'm like totally one of those people that like when you have a big meeting with a bunch of people, like at the end of the meeting, I'm the one. Okay, so like, what are we gonna do to yeah, take action on exactly. what we just met about? Like, I'm <laughs> yeah. in that way, like I'm just like, okay, what do we need to do? Oh my gosh, that's exact. <laughs> that's how I am too. What's your zodiac? Sagittarius. You're Sagittarius, of course. <laughs> I don't know if that has anything to do with it. Yeah. The, the, the wild freedom definitely part, that part does, for sure. For sure, yeah. yeah. Well, I'm like, what, like, obviously we've all been very much, you know, inspired and driven to be able to get our point across when things are in turmoil like what you because you've been involved in politics for a while I feel like even past this election we just currently went through like how did how did you involve like how did you get involved with that like what what were the steps that you kind of took just so other people know like I want to get involved in this too like where do I get my resources from how can I get involved yeah that's a good question I I think that um for me I mean I I like, let me just shamelessly say that I am democratic. Yeah. Right? I'm a democrat. I mean, I'll, let's just be yeah. upfront about things, you know. <laughs> um, and so, when obviously when Obama was in office, you know, I wanted to hold him to account on the environment, mm-hmm. on a lot of different issues, on social justice, etc. But <clears throat> there was a kind of um, uh, less of an urgency <clears throat> when he was in office, and as soon as um, 
as soon as Trump was elected in 2016, I knew that like it had to be turned on, you know, and we knew in 2015 it needed to be turned on as well. But um, like the switch had to flip to absolute vigilance um, because everyone predicted what he could do to democracy, what he might do to our country, to hate crimes, to the environment, to animals, to, you know, you name it, um, to not being able to respond to climate change events, et cetera. And so it was like, okay, the vigilance switch just got flipped. I'm going to have to now shift my energy to be more vigilant, right? As soon as 2016 happened. And so I, I got much more involved as I think many of us did out of necessity. And so then when, when he was impeached in 2019 by the house, but not the Senate, it was like, Oh God, now anything can happen in 2020. Um, and so the vigilance switch, you know, got turned on again. And so then it was like, okay, we have to not elect him in 2020. Like we have to make sure he's not elected. And so I just, I actually carved out the time to, to be involved in the election and, and, and to be able to say that, you know, like in, on November 3rd, that I did everything I could to prevent basically America falling apart in terms of its democracy, the experiment of our democracy. I needed to be able to say that, that I did everything I could. And so I did. Um, and now there's a lot of sort of apathy or outrage fatigue that can set in, in a scenario like we had. And I remember people saying, even in 2015, you cannot fall asleep. That is what they are counting on. They're counting on you to get so numb from the outrage that you don't do anything. And then you find yourself in a, in a non-free society yep. and, you know, where, where any marginalized group is going to experience deep oppression and where we're not, you know, the people aren't in charge anymore. Yeah. Exactly. Like, like we, the people, right? Like we, we vote based on our demands. And so to me, you know, yoga has bhakti yoga, which is very devotional. That's where you get kirtan and chanting and all of that. You have the yana yoga, which is more intellectual and kind of scripture based and you're studying and that kind of thing. But you also have karma yoga, right? We cannot forget karma yoga is about serving the greater good. It is about serving humanity. It's serving and being a steward of the land and it's about action. And so to me, this, this notion that yoga is an escape or yoga is where we go to our happy place doesn't fit with those margas, those three paths of yoga, because karma yoga is one of them. And so to not be civically engaged to me is not yogic. Mm -hmm. It's just not yogic to ignore civics. And so to have some kind of understanding of like how our government works, whether you're here in America or wherever you live, how your government works, how um, your vote, if you're in a democratic society, matters, right? And like getting out the vote matters. Yep. 
because we are at a precipice right now. We're dealing with a major pandemic, mm-hmm. a health crisis. We have an earth crisis that is unbelievable. Um, I mean, the fires, you were probably here yeah. in Boulder with the fires in October mm-hmm. when it's snowing, we're having a fire problem. So crazy. Um, so we have big issues that mm-hmm. affect our children yep. moving forward. They may not affect my life. I'm I'm 51, so my life might not be as, as deeply affected. I think it will. But I know anybody younger than me is going to be deeply, deeply affected. Climate migration, I mean, it's serious. And to sort of numb ourselves out to it, what is that going to do? I mean, I do, I will say having young kids, like my 13-year-old, like just sitting here speaking with you and she is such an activist as well and has had, has had that in her since she was two. Like mm-hmm. I remember, I know the feeling. <laughs> yeah, we would be like, we were in Austin and she used to couldn't understand why there was homeless people. Like she just doesn't right. understand. Yeah. And she's like, mommy, they need something. We need to give them something. And I'm like, well, let's go to Costco and we made all of these bags just filled with like toothbrushes mm-hmm. and, you know, food and um, just Purell, all this stuff. And so we would, we spent the, anytime we were at a corner and there was a homeless person, we had them in the back trunk always. Ugh. She was two, like oh, barely three. And so That's so young, so young. So she, yeah. I do believe that that generation is going to bring in this huge back end of fire to creating change. I mean, she and I went and marched um, with some pretty incredible women we had in our, in our group to in Washington for gun control. Like Lilla was so passionate about that, that she was like, we went to Washington. We had that experience. It was amazing. And even this past year with the election and with COVID and with black lives matters, like she is, I do believe that that generation, because of the pathway we're creating right now, hopefully can continue to push through and make those, those changes that we're so desperately asking for. But, um, yeah, I think it's just, it's important that we have, we, I think that the, the issue of what we're going through right now is there's the lack of education around it. Mm -hmm. You know, even when it comes to politics or even, COVID in general, like we don't, yeah. the people really don't know how our government works. They're, they're right. being driven and on their emotion. Yeah. A hundred percent. And they should like, if you're going to, if you are going to go buy a car, you're going to research everything. You're going to know all the details of how that car works. So you Nicely can drive done. it efficient, efficiently and that you're safe in it too. Like you understand, mm-hmm. I'm going to put my kids in this car. Cause I know this was top rated or whatever. We have to take that same mentality to our government or to this disease that we're going through. And people aren't doing that. They're just angry and spitting stuff out, whatever they're thinking or reading or feeling. And Mm -hmm. I think that's, yeah, yeah, I think it's so critical for the education piece. And it's important for our kids to have that that same yeah. understanding. And that's the thing too. It's like your vote is so essential, but once the vote is in, you you can like call up your senator or your representative and like you could you could text them even and just be like, hey, I don't like this. Yeah. <laughs> or hey, like did, did you know, have you heard about um uh regenerative organic agriculture, which is like my passion right now Ooh. is that 
is that um, we can actually sequester carbon through soil health. No way. And that that's how we can actually solve the climate crisis. So, like, I, I tweeted to our governor, Governor Polis. I was like, you know, not sure you're you're aware of soil health and regenerative organic agriculture. And he followed me. Stop it. I was like, oh, my God, Governor Polis just followed me. <laughs> like, this and is he, getting like, real now. He liked my tweet. I was just like, cool. He knows now that one of his constituents thinks that soil management and soil health is a path toward solving the climate crisis. Do you think I felt better about myself that day? Yeah. <laughs> I totally did. I felt yeah. great. I felt like not only better about myself, but like I made a difference. Yeah. You know, like my, my, I elected this guy and he's listening to me. Mm-hmm. And see, people need to know that they have the, that you can do that and, and, yeah. and, and teaching it to our children. To yeah. Yeah. We have to band together to get our, you know, the, the, the needs and the wants expressed. Hundred percent. I mean, I would he may give to me <laughs> exactly. Well, I think you know. I just I've always just been so in awe of everything that you're really passionate about and the messaging you put around it. It inspired me. I like even during the election. I mean, we were up here in Colorado and not in Austin, and I'm like. I need that mail-in ballot. Like, I, I, my vote makes a difference. Like, I know Texas is probably going to go complete opposite to what I want it to be, but I literally need to be part of this forceful impact that we need to have. And we were having so <laughs> many... we did need you in Texas. <laughs> yeah. They <laughs> need me. Your ballot there. <laughs> yeah, my ballot needed to be there. But I, I mean, my husband and I, we were having so many issues getting the ballot. It got lost. We had to re. Oh it was insane. We had to. It, it took like four or five weeks for us to finally get it. And Matt didn't get his. Mine only came through. And it was like to the last minute. We had no. So yeah. I'm like, screw it. I'm like, overnight it. Put tracking on it. I want to make sure it gets there. Yeah. So much of the election this past year, like the work that I was doing, was like making sure people were precise about their vote. Like that it wasn't just that you registered, but it's like once you did, you needed to make sure that yeah, that it went. Know, I, I hope democracy never has to be that way again, like where mm. there's so much doubt and so many like bad players and you know, you know just it's, tampering and this and that. It should be simple and easy and everybody should be able to vote, you know. Oh, a hundred percent. Well I Voter just suppression tactics were just out in force. Mm. And so we had to be extra vigilant. So that was half the work. Yeah, it was a lot of work. I feel like after yeah. I was hoping, I'm like, oh, 2021, we're going to like breathe a little bit, but we're still just up here doing yeah. our fight. And, yeah. and I do feel like I've been able to focus more on like what I was originally doing, which is like, I'm, I'm learning about soil advocacy and I, I'm love that a 300 hour teacher training for the year. Like now I can dive into those projects. Yeah. And, you know, when 2022 comes around, then I'll, I'll sort of fire up the uh, election thing again. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I love, I feel, I feel like that's a lot of people's stories right now. Now I can focus yeah. on this thing has gotten accomplished and we feel safe, secure, taken care of. And can and can move yeah, on. I'm to still articles. vigilant. I'm still yes, vigilant. I'm not asleep by any means, no. but I am able to kind of 
like silo my time a little bit back into some of the projects, but I just gave my whole to that election. Yeah, you did. Well, I'm so grateful for it. I mean, it impacted me tremendously. So to the point where I'm like, I need this girl on my freaking podcast. Like she's, she's fiery and I like this. I'm like, more people need to absorb what I'm feeling. So I'm just so good. So, so happy and so grateful for it. Okay. So I always play game on my podcast episodes and honestly the first the first couple times I did it I'm like should I do this on every podcast but so many people have said that that's their one of their favorite parts of listening and I'm like okay we're gonna keep going with it so we play a game called 20 questions they basically there's some of them are super simple like one answer questions and some of them you can think about funny serious it's all over the board but it just gives us a better idea of like who you are behind the lens of just being this amazing advocate for the environment and yoga but um so yeah we're gonna go through and play a little game if you're cool with it awesome hit me okay so first one I already asked you this but your zodiac Sagittarius. Sagittarius do you know what your moon and your rising sign is Scorpio moon and Aquarius rising. Of course. I knew you would have Aquarius in there. That's it. Yeah. Aquarius are known for humanitarian rights and fighting for that. Like they're, they've got mama nurturer to, to that too. So that makes sense, Amy. Scorpio moon really makes sense for me. Yeah. I'm married to a Scorpio. I love Scorpio (laughs) women. Um, okay. Guilty food pleasures. Like, what's, like, your... Oh, gosh. Um, Probably brownies. Mm. Yeah, brownies. Brownies, I like that. Are you a black tea, green tea, or coffee drinker? Green tea. Green tea. And do you do that just... Do you do that in the morning, like, part of your ritual, waking up, or...? I do it most mornings. Okay. Yeah, most mornings. I was on a kick with green tea. I actually ended up, I caught COVID like four months ago and I couldn't have, couldn't taste anything anyways, but I couldn't have coffee, any caffeine stimulant. I, but green tea, I swear, got me through. Like I drank a huge thing of antioxidant green tea every morning. I was, I was on that kick for a while up until I started homeschooling again. Then I was like black coffee. Okay. (laughs) Yes. Thank you. It was, it was an experience for sure. Yeah, it is. Um, what is your most impact, like most impactful moment you can think of? And it can be from when you were a kid to adulthood, an experience. Oh gosh, there's so many. Um, I was pulled up on stage when I was 16, speaking of 16 by Howard Jones. So I was in the front row and he was shaking everyone's hands and he shook my hand and it kept no way. Like he didn't let go. And I was suddenly like all these hands were on my butt pushing me onto the stage because I dissociated. Yeah, I didn't know that I was getting pulled up on stage. And then he took me over to his keyboard and like held my finger and made me play the keyboard solo. And then he brought me back to where I was and deposited me back into the audience. Um, And I'm actually looking at the photograph that president of HBO at the time took the picture of me and he found me after the concert among thousands of people. He was like, Hey, you were the girl that got pulled up on stage. I have photographs of you. Give me your address. I'll send you the pictures. So I'm looking at it. It's framed on my 
office. Oh my gosh. That's a pretty impactful yeah. moment. That is so crazy. Yeah, it was like, wow, I got chosen. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. And I and I really admired him. He was vegan. And mm. I, you know, and I was like an animal rights environmental yeah. activist at 16 and I was like, I just got pulled up on stage by my idol. Oh. My gosh, that's and amazing. Those of you who are like, you know, in your 20s or something, you probably don't know who Howard Jones <laughs> yeah, is. they don't. <laughs> if you hear the music, you'll know. You'll be heard of it. Yeah. 100%. That's amazing. I'm like, <laughs> holy moly, that beats a lot of impactful moments I've heard. Um, are you a mountain girl or an ocean girl? I'm an ocean girl, even though I live in the mountains. Oh, well, it makes sense with diving with whale sharks. You'd have to be an yeah, ocean lover. For don't that. Suck. I'm okay with it. Last book you've read? Ooh, gosh. Um, what's the last book I read? I'm kind of in the middle of one. I'm reading The Body is Not an Apology by Sonia Renee Taylor. Mm. And I'm also into um, Obama's book. Oh, I but yeah, fin- finished books. God, I'm like, it's funny, I can't remember because I'm so into the books I'm in right now. Yeah. yeah. Well, those two books um, sound amazing. I've been wanting to read yeah. Obama's book. I read Michelle's book. That was awesome. Yeah. Big um, Potential, that's the one. Big Potential? Big Potential, okay. yeah. What is your biggest pet peeve? Ooh. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Um, and it can be simple, too. Oh, something has to annoy you. <laughs> people use plastic. People that use single yes. use plastic. Yes, <laughs> it really annoys me. Well, that's a good one. I figured it was going to be something with environmental stuff. Yeah. Um, what TV series are you watching or have gotten into? Maybe like inspired by COVID. If you had time to watch Netflix there or something. There are so many. It's yeah. insane. But the one that I, like, I've gotten, like, I binged it already, and I crave watching it again, even though I can't. Yeah. The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. <gasps> I haven't watched that one. Oh, Is love it. it. Oh, so I good. It. Like, it's, um, I love it because I grew up in New York City, like, total born and raised New York City girl in an Italian and Jewish community. And it takes place in the late 50s in New York. And so what I'm seeing is what my parents must have experienced as New Yorkers. Oh, I love it. Because that's when they were growing up. But it also makes sense because all my friends' parents, right, that, that were, like, chaperoning our play dates yeah. and taking to school, and, like, that's what their life was like. Oh, my gosh. Okay, now I want to watch it. Right, because I was born in the late 60s. Uh-huh. They were growing up in the late 50s. Maisel takes place in the late 50s New York. So I'm just like, these are my people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just, but it's also just so fabulous. I oh, mean, yeah. New York in the late 50s. Oh, that's, that's the time. Is that your background? Are you Italian? Yeah, I'm I'm pretty much, I'm a Jew-Italian, but I'm, I think I'm 80% Italian and then a little bit of Jew. Love it. So I'm Jew-Italian. Your favorite skincare product, like your go-to, like you can't live without it? Mm, um, Probably Pangea Organics. Ooh. 
which is a local boulder company and yeah oh i'll have to try them out i just started with eminence organic oh i like eminence too yeah Yeah, i do like them their tea tree oil serum has like literally changed my skin i mix up my skincare quite a bit but do i do love pangea pangea jerlique mm-hmm um, living libations. I'm a big fan mm-hmm. and then evidence for sure. Yeah. yeah. I love that. I love that a lot of these organic companies that I use, I'm like turning around. They're like from Boulder. I'm like I'm in the oh, right yeah. place. Boulder's so on it. Totally on it. That's why I love it here and I'm not leaving. Um, are you an early riser or a night owl? I'm a night owl, but I'm not terrible. Okay. Okay. I'm not terrible. Like I can wake up pretty early and I tend to like to go to bed, you know, 10 ish. Yeah. So yeah, I'm the same way. Like yeah. if I have to get on the flight that 6am, I won't do it. But like that will mess me up. Can't do yeah. that early. I try to avoid those too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, avoiding all flights now. I know. I was going to say probably all flights at this point. I know. Um, okay. A complex around <laughs> travel. <laughs> I is, I'm not going to lie. Yeah, it's definitely, there's there's a lot of fear behind all of it. Even after yeah. having COVID, I'm still totally. scared. Oh, yeah, there's variants. Like, give me my vaccine, please. Um, most influential woman in your life. And it can be family, it can, it can be a community member, someone you aspire or look up to. I would have to say that my grandmother, who I called Nani, um, has been one of the most influential women in my life. She was a director of Shakespeare in the 50s. Talk about being in New York City in the 50s. No kidding. She was doing in the 50s was directing Shakespeare. That's amazing. Oh, I love that. Yeah, she's a pretty amazing woman. What scares you skydiving I would never do it really no never I skydived jumped out of an airplane it's the most liberating thing I've ever done in my life I don't know if I'll do it again but (laughs) not my bag it um it does it is a little scary especially when you're dangling on the side of a plane um (laughs) favorite place you've traveled to oh Probably Kauai. Oh, it's so beautiful there. Just exquisite. Oh, okay, favorite yoga experience? Hmm. Wow. Um, I would have to say practicing yoga on the top of a glacier in New Zealand with a helicopter spinning around me, taking pictures. <laughs> No way. That's amazing. Or like having a 30 foot whale shark coming directly at me, folding my legs into Lotus and then swooshing down so that I would be underneath the whale shark when it passed over me. That could be pretty cool too. Those are both amazing experiences. Yeah. Because I have such a fear of the ocean, you describing that whale thing gave me so much anxiety in my chest. There is no way I could ever do that. But I will admire your pictures and drool over your story any day. That's amazing. (laughs) Amazing. Um, What do you like to do outside of yoga that's fun? That's, you know, stuff that you, like, 
rock climbing or shopping or like what's your you know, my latest passion is soil like I said so I um I love to learn about soil the biology of it um the way it sequesters carbon biologically but I also like to apply that right in my because we're so covidified right now I'm in my own little bubble here on the mountain but I created a vegetable garden um, this past summer. And then in the fall, we amended our entire hillside. We had this opportunity to excavate. We needed to excavate to make a repair. And because all that raw soil was exposed, we amended it. We brought in like truckloads of compost and put the compost down and then planted cover crop, which, which nourished the soil with nitrogen. So we planted um, winter rye and annual rye into the soil. So that's all growing on my hillside now. Then in the spring, as it gets a little taller, we'll plant um, native grass and regrass the parts that got cut open. So almost maybe like half an acre of um, carbon sequestration has occurred on our property. That's amazing. Because I decided to nerd out. And if anyone else is like into that, I recommend watching the Netflix movie Kiss the Ground. Kiss the Ground. I'm gonna write Kiss this the down. Ground. Yeah. Yeah. That's that. what inspired me to just like finally do it. Ugh. So now and we planted tons of perennials and trees and uh, evergreens so that we are we're also sequestering carbon through our perennial gardens. That's amazing. I'm totally geeking out listening. I want, I would, I totally am going to have to watch the documentary. My daughter, Lilla, I swear she would just like absorb everything you're saying. She is, she will love that. Okay. What is your mantra? Your go-to mantra? Um, probably Om Namah Shivaya. Hmm. I bow to the auspiciousness that is Shiva um, just because it's about um, it's it's about honoring honoring the source of the universe if you will um, but also that way in which we're seeking ourselves we're constantly seeking to, to figure out who we are. Mm-hmm. So it's become sort of a mantra for everything. Like if I see that a squirrel got hit on the road, I'm like, Om Namah Shivaya. (laughs) Or right before I eat, Om Namah Shivaya. Yeah. It's been a a big one for a while. I sing Om Namah Shivaya to to my little one every night for bed. That sounds special to me too. Um, Okay, I ask everybody this. Last question. Are you green juice or tequila? And you can be both too. Well, I'm, I understand the concept of the green juice and tequila, but I am like, I don't drink alcohol. So my immediate reaction is green juice, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, but I, but I am both. Love that. Well, Amy, I am like literally so grateful to have you on and I cannot wait for our listeners to be able to hear your story and just these little like gold nuggets you kind of spread throughout the episode. Um, But most importantly, would love to be able to have our viewers be able to find you. And our demographic is yoga teachers. And I know we're always opening ourselves up to learning more. So 
you said you talked about a training that you're you're launched this year. If you could just touch on that, anything that you're involved in that people can maybe help contribute to or support you with, just so yeah, that you can. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I um. The biggest thing that we're doing right now is if you are a yoga teacher, like you've got a 200 hour under your belt and you're wanting to get your 500 hour in 2021, starting at the end of March through October, we have an eight month online, totally online program for our 300 hour. Um, very excited about it. Uh, you basically apply. So when you go to our website, um, which is 90monkeys.com, you apply, and then we review your application and send you the enrollment link, and you're in. Um, but it's going to be great. We're going to have mentorship cohorts. We're going to have a community forum that is not Facebook, um, where we can have discussions and discussions by topic. So instead of it just being one big Facebook group, there'll be topics you can have conversations about. Um, we'll have live sessions. We'll have on demand so that you can do it on your own pace. If you're in a different time zone, you can oh, always watch amazing. later. It's really cool. We're part of the Yoga Alliance online exemption so that you can watch later if you can't attend everything live. Um, and then, so that's 90monkeys.com. So 90monkeys, M-O-N-K-E-S. Dot com. Then my website, if you want to learn more about like some of the activism stuff or see some of the photography we mentioned, is amyipolity.com. Um, so that's A-M-Y-I-P-P-O-L-I-T-I. And I think that's kind of, those are my things. I'm Perfect. on Instagram, yeah. I'm on LinkedIn, I'm on Twitter, I'm on Facebook. Love um, it. Basically, Amy Apolity. I yeah. love it. Well, um, we'll make sure to link all of these, all these websites and information too on the podcast episode. Perfect. And again, just so incredibly grateful to have you on. And it's so good to talk to you. You've got the gift of gab. Oh man, <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely yeah. enjoy enjoy gabbing it up, especially with with women that I just am so interested in learning more about. So yeah, again, it's so, it's so um, lovely to be able to have conversation during this time. Exactly. Well, thank you again so much. And y'all, thank you so much for listening to Green Juice and Tequila. And if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and share it around. would love to be able just to get the message out there even more. And I hope you all have a wonderful day. Thanks, y'all. Mm-hmm.